0: Chapter 8, Book 4 of Rookwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Paul Curran. Rookwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book 4, Chapter 8 Roadside Inn. More. Take my horse and dash a bottle of wine over him. 'Twas hot work.' Schiller, the robbers.' "'We will now make inquiries after Mr. Coates and his party, "'of whom both we and Dick Turpin have for some time lost sight. "'With unabated ardour, the vindictive man of law "'and his myrmidons pressed forward. "'A tacit compact seemed to have been entered into "'between the highwayman and his pursuers, "'that he was to fly off while they were to follow. "'Like bloodhounds, they kept steadily upon his trail.' "'Nor were they so far behind as Dick imagined. "'At each post-house they passed, they obtained fresh horses, "'and while these were saddling, a post-boy was dispatched on courier "'to order relays at the next station. "'In this manner they proceeded after the first stoppage without interruption. "'Horses were in waiting for them as they, bloody with spurring, "'fiery hot with haste, and their jaded hacks arrived. "'Turpin had been heard or seen in all quarters.' turnpikemen wagoners carters trampers all had seen him besides strange as it may sound they placed some faith in his word york they believed would be his destination at length the coach which dick had encountered hove in sight there was another stoppage and another hubbub the old gentleman's nightcap was again manifested and suffered a sudden occultation as upon the further occasion The post-boy, who was in advance, had halted, and given up his horse to Major Mowbray, who exchanged his seat on the box for one on the saddle, deeming it more expedient, after his interview with Turpin, to return to Rookwood rather than proceed to town. The post-boy was placed behind Coates, as being the lightest weight, and thus reinforced, the party pushed forward as rapidly as heretofore. Eighty and odd miles had now been traversed. The boundary of another county, Northampton, passed. Yet no rest nor respite had Dick Turpin Or his unflinching mare enjoyed. But here he deemed it fitting to make a brief halt. Bordering the beautiful domains of Burley House Stood a little retired hostelry of some antiquity Which bore the great Lord Treasurer's arms. With this house Dick was not altogether unacquainted. The lad who acted as Ostler was known to him. It was now midnight, but a bright and beaming night. To the door of the stable then did he ride, and knocked in a peculiar manner. Reconnoitering Dick threw a broken pane of glass in the lintel, and apparently satisfied with his scrutiny, the lad thrust forth a head of hair as full of straw as Mad Tom's is represented to be upon the stage. A chuckle of welcome followed his sleepy salutation. "'Glad to see you, Captain Turpin,' said he. "'Can I do anything for you?' "'Get me a couple of bottles of brandy and a beefsteak,' said Dick. "'As to the brandy,' "'You can have that in a jiffy. "'But the steak, Lord love you, "'the old woman won't stand for it at this time, "'but there's a coal round. "'Mayhap a slice of that might do, "'or a knuckle of ham.' "'A pest on your knuckles, Ralph,' cried Dick. "'Have you any raw meat in the house?' "'Raw meat?' echoed Ralph in surprise. "'Oh, yeah. "'There's a spear-ramp of beef. "'You can have a cut of that if you like.' "'That's the thing I want,' said Dick, "'ungirthing his mare. "'Give me the scraper.' There, I can get a wisp of straw from your head. Now run and get the brandy. Better bring three bottles, uncork them, and let me have half a pail of water to mix with the spirit. A pailful of brandy and water to wash down a raw steak? My eyes! exclaimed Ralph, opening his sleepy peepers, adding, as he went about the execution of his task, I always thought them rampedders, as they call themselves, ram fellows, but now I'm sartin sure on it. The most sedulous groom could not have bestowed more attention upon the horse of his heart than Dick Turpin now paid to his mare. He scraped, chafed, and dried her, sounded each muscle, traced each sinew, pulled her ears, examined the state of her feet, and ascertaining that her withers were unwrung, finally washed her from head to foot in the diluted spirit. Not, however, before he had conveyed a thimbleful of the liquid to his own parched throat, and replenished what Falstaff calls a pocket pistol, which he had about him. While Ralph was engaged in rubbing her down after her bath, Dick occupied himself, not in dressing the raw steak in the manner the stable boy had anticipated, but in rolling it round the bit of his bridle. "'She will go now as long as there's breath in her body,' said he, putting the flesh-coloured iron within her mouth. The saddle being once more replaced, after champing a moment or two at the bit, Bess began to snort and paw the earth, as if impatient of delay, and acquainted as he was with her indomitable spirit and power, her condition was a surprise even to Dick himself. Her vigour seemed inexhaustible, her vivacity was not a whit diminished, but, as she was led into the open space, her step became as light and free as when she started on her ride, and her sense of sound as quick as ever. Suddenly she pricked her ears, and uttered a low neigh. A dull tramp was audible. Ha! exclaimed Dick, springing into his saddle. They come! Who come, Captain? asked Ralph. The road takes a turn here, don't it? asked Dick. Sweeps around to the right by the plantations in the hollow. Aye, aye, Captain, answered Ralph. It's plain you knows the ground. What lies behind yon shed? A stiff fence, Captain. A regular asper. Beyond that, a hillside steep as a house. "'No horses as ever shoe can go down it!' "'Indeed!' laughed Dick. "'A loud halloo from Major Mowbray, "'who seemed advancing upon the wings of the wind, "'told Dick that he was discovered. "'The Major was a superb horseman "'and took the lead of his party. "'Striking his spurs deeply into his horse "'and giving him bridle enough, "'the Major seemed to shoot forward like a shell through the air. "'The burly Arms retired some hundred yards from the road, the space in front being occupied by a neat garden with low, clipped edges. No tall timber intervened between Dick and his pursuers, so that the motions of both parties were visible to each other. Dick saw in an instant that if he now started, he should come into collision with the Major exactly at the angle of the road, and he was by no means desirous of hazarding such a recont. He looked wistfully back at the double fence. "'Come into the stable! Quick, Captain, quick!' exclaimed Ralph. "'The stable?' "'echoed Dick, hesitating. "'Aye, the stable! "'It's your only chance! "'Don't you see he's turning a corner? "'And they're all coming! "'Quick, sir, quick!' "'Dick, lowering his head, "'rode into the tenement, "'the door of which was unceremoniously slapped in the Major's face "'and bolted on the other side. "'Villain!' cried Major Mowbray, "'thundering at the door. "'Come forth! "'You are now fairly trapped at last, "'caught like the woodcock in your own springe. "'We have you! Open the door, I say, and save us the trouble of forcing it. You cannot escape us. We will burn the building down, but we will have you. What dan you want, master? cried Ralph from the lintel, whence he reconnoitred the major, and kept the door fast. You'll clean me stain, there be none here. We'll soon see that, said Patterson, who had now arrived, and leaping from his horse the chief constable took a short run to give himself impetus, and with his foot burst open the door. This being accomplished, in dashed the Major and Patterson, but the stable was vacant. A door was open at the back. They rushed to it. The sharply sloping sides of a hill slipped abruptly downwards within a yard of the door. It was a perilous descent to the horsemen, yet the print of a horse's heels were visible in the dislodged turf and scattered soil. "'Confusion!' cried the Major. "'He has escaped us!' "'He is yonder!' said Patterson pointing out Turpin moving swiftly through the steaming meadow. See, he makes a game for the road. He clears the fence. A regular throw he's given us by the Lord. Nobly done by heaven, cried the Major, with all his faults. I honour the fellow's courage and admire his prowess. He's already ridden tonight as I believe never man rode before. I would not have ventured to slide down that wall, for it's nothing else, with the enemy at my heels. What say you, gentlemen, have you had enough? "'Shall we let him go, or—' "'As far as Chase goes, "'I don't care if we bring the matter to a conclusion,' said Titus. "'I don't think, as it is, "'that I shall have a saint to sit on this week to come. "'I've lost leather most confoundedly.' "'What says Mr. Coates?' asked Patterson. "'I look to him.' "'Then mount and off,' cried Coates. "'Public duty requires that we should take him.' "'And Private peak returned the Major, "'No matter. The end is the same. "'Justice shall be satisfied. "'To your steeds, my merry men all. Harken the way!' "'Once more upon the move, "'Titus forgot his distress, "'and addressed himself to the attorney "'by whose side he rode. "'What place is that we're coming to?' "'asked he, pointing to a cluster "'of moonlit spires belonging to a town "'they were rapidly approaching. "'Stamford,' replied Coates. "'Stamford!' exclaimed Titus. By the powers, then! We've ridden a matter of ninety miles! Why, the great deeds of Redmond O'Hanlon were nothing to this! I'll remember it to my dying day, and with reason," added he, uneasily shifting his position on the saddle. End of chapter eight, book four.